from the deep state to Bernie Sanders to Hulk Hogan to the president. We got you covered today. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I, uh, I tweeted this out. Oh, yesterday, it's very possible that we're fighting the deep state, big pharma, a one-world glo- one globalism, and more. But for me, the best way to fight back is by preaching the gospel, praying the gospel, and living the gospel there by extending the kingdom of God. Michael Brown here. Welcome to The Line of Fire. Thanks so much for joining us. Number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Last two days, we have not been able to be on live radio. So everyone listening, you heard a previously recorded broadcast. Hope you enjoyed our radio listeners, the Gary Habermas interview that played yesterday. But the studios from whence our radio broadcast emanates, we're one place doing the actual show and another place where it's sent out. Uh, Those studios were being disinfected because of a previous guest having been... uh, Uh, tested for the coronavirus so we're back on full cylinders that means youtube facebook live stream radio shows live and of course everyone listening watching later welcome to the broadcast it does mean for two days you haven't been able to call in so if you want to call in with a question for me 866-34-TRUTH 866-348-7884 that is your number to call okay Bernie Sanders is out. Bernie Sanders has dropped out. Why did he drop out now? What was going on behind the scenes? What kind of pressure was he under? I don't know. But he's dropped out, saying that the party has moved to the left. In other words, he feels, even though he's not going to be the presidential candidate, that his running, his platform has moved the party further to the left. In fact, the Democrats have moved further to the left, and it's a bad move. It's a bad move in terms of economic policy. It's a bad move in terms of role of government. It's a bad move in terms of certain other moral, ethical issues. A bad move. Bad for the Democratic Party. Some of it's also a reaction to Trump and conservative support. But yes, the party has become far more radical today. In many ways, the Democratic Party today would be unrecognizable, say, to a a Clinton Democrat 20 years ago. But uh, he's dropping out, and that means right now... (laughs) that Joe Biden is the man. Now, there's some saying, hey, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, even though he said he's got no interest in that, he's got to care for his state and and focus on that. Some say, hey, he could easily just get in. And there are many concerns about Senator Biden's ability to be in a rigorous campaign and lead the nation. We shall see. But my prayer is, God, your best, your best. Bring about your best. That's my prayer. My prayer is your will be done in the elections because I don't have divine perspective perfectly and neither do you and neither do any of us individually have a full understanding of everything God is doing on the earth. And he's not just interested in your city or your state or my city or my state or our country. He's interested in the whole world. It's always bigger. It's always much bigger. So you might have... A temporary gain in one area, but it 
cost you a whole lot more later on. You know, how many times have we maybe been short-sighted in our foreign policy? We get rid of a bad guy, but now we give room for a worse guy. So God is infinitely ahead, and God is working out his plan in the midst of the earth. So that leads me back to the tweet that I posted yesterday. I don't know exactly how deep the deep state is. I don't know how many people there are in Washington that have another agenda, that have their own agenda above and beyond the political parties who are deeply entrenched and who work against many interests important to us. I don't know how deep the swamp is, how deep the deep state is. I don't know, and neither do you, in terms of actual fact and full information and full understanding. I, I don't know how corrupt or greedy the pharmaceutical industry is, big pharma. I've heard for years people said they're experimental drugs that had great, great promise that looked like they could make a tremendous dent in a particular disease, but it would bankrupt other drugs that were currently being used for it, and it was virtually impossible to get their drug pushed through and approved. God knows. God knows. I'm sure there are fine people within the industry and corrupt people within the industry because there are human beings involved. I don't know how, how big the grip of Big Farm is. I don't know, nor do you know every last detail. Or people working within our government or within our nation who have an unhealthy globalism, an unhealthy desire for a one world order of some kind. I don't know exactly what's going on, what conspiracies have truth to them, what are completely bogus. Oh, I know it's completely bogus that the reason The government wants you to wear a mask is because that will identify you for the Antichrist. Bogus, bogus, idiotic, complete, ridiculous nonsense. And I have an article up explaining why I don't pay attention to all the conspiracy theories. One reason is there's no time to pay attention to all of them. Another reason is I could far better use my time doing other things. Another reason is that my response is going to be what it is. In other words, when it starts raining, whether the rain was caused by man-made climate change, whether the rain was caused by God specifically sending a rainstorm, whether the rain was caused by Martian scientists, I'm going to put the windshield wipers on when I'm in the car. All right? So I, I don't need to verify looking into every theory because my answer is a gospel answer. In other words, I'm not focused on the deep state. I'm, I'm, I'm not a political insider. I'm not focused on big pharma. I'm, I'm not focused on a one world order. I'm focused on Jesus. I'm focused on preaching the gospel. I'm focused on making disciples. I'm focused on being, disciple, uh, being a disciple. I'm focused on prayer and honoring God and using the weapons and the tools that he's given me, my voice on radio, my voice on internet, my voice through writing and, and through serving and through helping and preaching and teaching and debating whatever I can do to make a positive impact, to extend the kingdom of God. I'm I'm not trying to find out the exact nature of the darkness. I'm concentrating on spreading the light and shining the light more and more and more. That's what I encourage you to do. Major on the majors. Don't get all consumed with, okay, with Wuhan, 5G. I think that the radiation came from, okay, what does that boil down to? You may decide not to get a phone with 5G service 
because you think it's unhealthy. That's it. There's nothing more you're going to do with that as an individual. You may have an issue with, with the pharmaceutical industry and think that people have just been ripped off and it's greed and this and, and, and all of that. Okay, so you may go more holistic in terms of how you treat yourself and treat your body. and your So that's it. All the energy, the time, the effort, the mental drain. And it's every day, multiple times through the day. you got to see this, must see, this explains it all. This one, this one explains it all. Even if some of them, quote, explained it all, and there are these powers working right now with the federal government to try to bring about a recession or a depression through the virus, or bottom line, I got to get up in the morning and meet with God and, 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 and do stuff with my wife, Nancy, and write and, and teach and do radio and do everything else I do. That's what I got to go about doing. <laughs> I'm not going to, from where I am now, even the, if I can reach millions of people in a day, I'm not going to affect what's happening with these power players in D.C. What I can do is pray. And that's more important and powerful than anybody, anything else anybody can do. What, what, what I can do is share the gospel with a neighbor and try to win a lost person or help a believer or strengthen someone in the Lord. That's what I can do. That's where I want my focus to be. That's where I want my energy to be. So I want to encourage you. Do what you can do most effectively in the Lord, which is use the spiritual weapons he's given us. And you have to realize that for every theory you're convinced of is true. This is what's really happening. This is why this is happening. This is what's really going on. For every theory you're convinced of, there are a thousand people convinced of a thousand other theories, and they're all sharing online, this is must-see. And then all you have now is a million opinions that become a billion opinions when it just keeps growing and, and, and spreading. And ultimately, none of them really help us in terms of living out a daily life before God. That's it. That's what matters. How can I be a disciple? How can I make disciples? There is no weapon on the planet more powerful than prayer or fasting and prayer. Just hearing earlier today of tens of thousands of people who have joined in a 40-day fast crying out to God. When does that happen? Crying out for divine intervention and divine mercy and for great moving of God. Let it be. May God hear the cries of his people. Nothing more important we could do. Oh, we get involved in other ways? Sure, we, we get involved. We vote. Some of you may be called to, to run, you know, to be a city council member or, or education board member or run for some higher office. Some of you may be called to be a judge or lawyer. Some of you may be called to be a, a news commentator and, and address politics. There are many, many different specific callings and ways our gifting can be manifest. But here, you're a mom at home, homeschooling your kids. You've heard the 12th conspiracy theory uh, about COVID-19 and the the twelfth one of the day that has just come your way. Like, what do I do? You know what you do? Bless your kids. Pour into your kids. Be a fine mom. Be a good example. Pray for them. Give them the best quality upbringing and education you can as you homeschool them. That's, that's what you do. That's what you do. Th that there's nothing more important we could do than 
majoring on the majors, on doing gospel work. That's what's going to change the world, is the gospel. The gospel is more than powerful enough to dismantle the deep state, to expose corruption and big pharma, to, to unravel a new world order. If the kingdom of God is advanced, other kingdoms will retreat, other kingdoms will tremble. So let's glorify Jesus and go about the work of the gospel. If you want to be effective, that's the best way. 866-348-7884. Going to go to the phones we come back and then read to you a remarkable post by Hulk Hogan. Yeah, on Facebook. We'll share that when we come back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire, 866-34-TRUTH. Bottom of the hour, I'm going to be joined by Professor James Beverly, his new book, God's Man in the White House. A fascinating discussion by a religion scholar about the Trump prophecies. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be the bottom of the hour. Facebook, April 6th, Hulk Hogan posted this. I was sent a link in some news briefs today. And uh, he's praying against a wall that says, I am that I am that underneath Hulk Hogan. So he's got his eyes closed. He's leaning against that wall praying. And this is what he says. This is April 6th. In three short months, just like he, God, just like he did with the plagues of Egypt, God has taken away everything we worship. God said, you want to worship athletes? I'll shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians? I'll shut down civic centers. You want to worship actors? I'll shut down theaters. You want to worship money? I'll shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. You don't want to go to church and worship me? I'll make it where you can't go to church. And he quotes from Second Chronicles 7. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And he says this, maybe we don't need a vaccine. Maybe we need to take this time of isolation from the distractions of the world and have a personal revival where we focus on the only thing in the world that really matters, Jesus. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Amen to personal revival and turning away from every other idol, turning to the one true God. Yeah. Amen to that. 866-34-TRUTH. We go to Kentucky. Justin, thanks so much for calling the line of fire. Uh, yes, uh, Dr. Brown, I, I was just wanted to thank you, sir. I mean, I've listened to your show for a few years, and I, I certainly thank you for sharing the gospel and everything in particular. Uh, I, I do have a question, though, it's a little bit more on the personal side, so I was going to ask you in private if that was okay. Um, well, it's it's on the air with everyone listening, so if you're good with that, if you'd rather just write to our ministry, we'd be happy to help you. But if you want to ask um, with everyone listening, uh, that's that's up to you, sir. Okay. 
Okay, well, maybe I should just uh, post it. I believe that I'm going to ask you the... I was going to ask you what the difference between justification and sanctification was. Yeah, sure, sure thing, sir. So, the moment we're saved, God justifies us, meaning he pronounces us righteous. He pronounces us not guilty. We go from the damned column to the saved column, not based on good works that we've done, but based on putting our trust in the cross of Jesus. We become children of God at that moment. If we were to die, we would instantly go into his presence. So, for example, if I had been an alcoholic and a violent man, and I cried out to God for mercy and put my trust in Jesus to save me, at that moment, if I died, I would go into God's presence justified, righteous, clean, even though I hadn't had time to do anything to demonstrate a changed life. So justification is what happens instantaneously, by grace, and it is a gift. And because it truly affects us, it changes us. Sanctification is the process of growing in holiness, of becoming more and more like Jesus. And that's a lifelong process. The moment we're saved, we are sanctified, meaning we are set apart as holy. Now, as saved people set aside as holy, we are called to be holy, to pursue holiness, to perfect holiness. So that happens day by day. And, and some days we are, um, we are in, there's just some background noise there, sir. But some days we may feel closer to the Lord than other days. Some days we may feel more grace working in us. Some days we may be much more conscious of our, of our sins and shortcoming. But let, let's say this. Let's say there was a day where I was feeling very fleshly. I was easily agitated. I was short with people. I wasn't walking in love. I'm still saved. I'm still a believer. I haven't rejected Jesus. I haven't turned my back on God and said, I don't want you anymore. I'm doing my own thing and walked away from him. I haven't denied him in terms of saying that, that Jesus is not Lord, but I've lived in a way that's been fleshly or inconsistent. Maybe you're a young man and you're struggling with lustful thoughts and you think, how could I be saved now these thoughts? Well, because you're still in a body and you still have a, a mind and we're not yet fully sanctified. We will be fully and completely sanctified when Jesus returns and our bodies are glorified. Until then, we will be wrestling with certain things, saying no to sin, yes to God growing in holiness, growing in grace. So you should see change in your life, but you may fall short at different times, in which case you go for cleansing and washing, but you don't need to get resaved each time. You just need to grow. It is like having your feet washed in the ancient world. Right? Remember, Jesus went to wash his disciples' feet in John 13 and said, you're already clean. So what does it mean to have your feet washed? Well, you go to the, the river or the bathhouse because you don't have running water in your home. Uh, you bathe head to toe. Now you walk back home. By the time you get home, your feet are dirty. So you, you wash your feet. You have some water at your home in a bucket. You wash your feet. That you do, okay? So on a daily basis, we're getting cleansed. We're getting washed, but we're not getting resaved all the time. That is something God does for us. And unless we walk away from him, deny him, and never come back, then we have not forfeited our salvation. May God give you grace to work these things out in your life.
Uh, and if there's more you want to write to us, feel free to through our, through our website, sdrbrown.org. We'll gladly pray for you, sir. Uh, let's go over to Danny in Canada. Thanks for calling the line of fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. How you doing? Doing well, thank you. That's good. Listen, I saw the title of your video, uh, which sparked the question. Um, there are different men, godly men, godly ministries. They've given prophetic words about Trump. Some of the prophetic words contradict each other, yet the people prophesying are solid. So how do you respond to contradictory pro- prophecies coming from godly men? Yeah, well, Danny, make sure you keep listening uh, to the second half of the show when I talk to Dr. James Beverly because his, his book that I'm, I'm uh, holding in my hand, God's Man in the White House, Donald Trump and Modern Christian Prophecy, it's, oh, it's over 300 pages, and he goes through basically every prophetic word that he could find uh, over a period oh, of wow. years. I, I mean, it's, it's remarkable. It's just, and then relevant articles. I get quoted a bunch of times because of articles that I've put out that were, were relevant, but it's and then chronological. So uh, in, in short, in short, uh, number one, certain prophecies are ambiguous until they come to pass. In other words, it might sound like two prophetic words are contradictory because they're not entirely clear. When they come to pass, you realize, oh, they, they weren't contradictory at all. That's the case sometimes. Mm. Uh, sometimes it's just a chronology issue, you know, as to when certain things will happen. And I'm just using biblical prophecy as an example, that many times something seems unclear until it happens or seems contradictory until the thing works itself out. The other possibility is that uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13 that we know in part and we prophesy in part. So if you have men of God disagreeing with what the written word says, they may also uh, have right and wrong interpretations of what the Spirit is saying. In other words, we don't hear perfectly and we don't speak perfectly any more than we interpret perfectly. So there should be accountability, absolutely. Absolutely. And if words are spoken that are clearly false, there needs to be accountability there. In other words, that the time frame has, has passed, that the, the conditions have been met and the thing hasn't happened, then we'd have to say that was a false word. So the other thing is, uh, the more people you hear prophesying, the more testing you have to do, because the more likely it is there's some flesh mixed in. And uh, even though they're solid men of God or leaders, that doesn't mean every prophecy they utter is, is perfect. That's why... First uh, Corinthians 14 requires two or three prophets speak, and then the others weigh critically what's said. That's why First Thessalonians 5 says, don't despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast to the good. So everything must be tested. And to me, there are some large things that the Spirit seemed to be saying before Trump was elected, namely that he would be the man and that he would be a wrecking ball of sorts, and, and that he would stand against uh, certain things that were going in the wrong direction for America and globally. He's, he's done all that. Uh, there are other prophecies. You know, he'll, he'll enter the White House not being a praying man, but he'll be filled with the Spirit and will leave a praying man. We'll see if that happens still. Uh, some that seem to prophesy two terms. So we shall see uh, what unfolds. But otherwise, uh, if, if there are enough prophecies out there, if there was a... If there were 20 or 30 different people bringing prophetic words and some not even knowing the other or hearing about the other, and there's a large harmony between them, that would be significant to me. That would get my attention uh, because you, know, you can't evaluate every single person out there. And, and here's the other thing. 
um, you're dealing with imperfect human beings. And maybe someone speaks and they realize afterwards, you know, I, I misspoke. That was, that was fleshy. Now, we have to be very careful if we claim to be speaking for God. But it's just like someone studies the scripture, gets up and preaches and realizes, you know, I misinterpreted that. And a week later says, you know, I, I, I now see that I was wrong on that text. Someone pointed something out to me. So as I said, the Holy Spirit can be speaking, but we misinterpret some of what he's saying. We add our interpretation to it. And now and next we have confusion. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask those, uh, those questions to uh, my guest, Dr. James Beverly, his new book, God's Man in the White House. I literally have a hot-off-the-press copy in my hand. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire, 866-34-TRUTH. James Beverly is a longtime professor, researcher, religion, Bible scholar. In fact, the specific details... Research professor at Tyndale Seminary in Toronto, associate director of the Institute for the Study of American Religion in Woodway, Texas, author of 15 books he's taught in Asia, Europe, Africa, throughout North America. He's been an expert witness on religion in both civil and criminal trials. And his brand new book, God's Man in the White House, analyzes over 500 prophecies and statements by more than 100 prophets and top Christian leaders. So you might say, I don't believe they're prophets. Well, we'll discuss, we'll discuss that, including Kim Clement, Mark Taylor, Lance Wallnau, Lana Vowser, Lou Engel, Jeremiah Johnson. Oh, I'm in the list. Michael Brown, Frank Amedia, Franklin Graham, Jerry Fowell Jr., Paula White, Stephen Strang, Robert Jeffress, Rodney Howard Brown, Jim Garlow, and James Dobson. So either prophecies or statements that have been made about Donald Trump in the White House. Is he God's man in the White House? James, thanks so much for joining us today on The Line of Fire. Thanks, Michael. Call me Jim if you want. Jim, that's, that's right. We established that some weeks ago. James, in terms of formality, and Jim, personally. So, Jim, how is it that you, as a scholar of religion, as a research professor, as an academic... How is it that you get interested in a subject like this, prophecies about Donald Trump? Well, I've been, I've been studying charismatic and Pentecostal prophecies for probably close to 30 years and more. I wrote a book on the Holy Laughter Movement, the Toronto Blessing, Vineyard. Uh, so the, the focus on Trump just came out of that longstanding interest. Plus, I love to figure out who's telling the truth about things. So when you combine Trump with prophecies, you got two contra- controversial topics, and, and there's no end of discussion about it. So about, uh, well, in 2015, I noticed that there were, uh, well, 2016 mainly, I noticed there were prophets uh, speaking about Trump, so I started collecting data and 
and the result is the book you hold. I don't even have a copy of it, Michael. We can't get it in Canada for another couple of weeks. So you uh, have probably well, one of the first copies I'm delivered. Hol- I'm holding it with two hands right now, flipping through the pages. Here, I want you to hear this. Flipping through the pages that you yeah. can't touch yet. Yeah, I know. That's cruel. But I'm, I'm thrilled <laughs> to have it. Oh, okay. Um, first, as someone in Canada very much in touch with the American scene. How does it look to you, evangelicals, Trump? I I mean, what does it look, just from your perspective as an outsider, but intimately involved in the research? Well, as you know, I studied uh, the fight over Mark Galley's call in Christianity Today to have uh, Trump removed from office. So uh, I... I know there's a big divide among evangelicals in America about Trump. Um, Mark Galley told me in an interview that um, the reaction to his uh, editorial is the biggest storm that Christianity Today has ever faced. So there is a divide, and as anybody uh, knows living in America, uh, Trump has, is a, uh, well, it, it's funny. In a way, you could say he's a divisive figure, but uh, that's complicated by the fact that he's attacked by people. Um, I'm amazed, regardless of what people say against him, I'm amazed he can stand on any given day, given the unbelievable uh, forces against him from the Democrats and from the media, etc., but, yeah. uh, you're right, uh, America's divided on this, and evangelicals are torn over it, too. Now, as you've studied prophecy and charismatic movement for many years, you're, you're not uh, a hypercritic rejecting everything. You're not a blind-eyed practitioner who doesn't see faults and problems. But what's your overall analysis of contemporary prophetic claims? Have, have you seen enough to say that you believe God is still speaking prophetically, or is the jury out, or is the verdict negative? I would say the truth isn't always in the middle, but it often is. Uh, If you had to go between total rejection of prophecy or total belief, I'm somewhere in between. I tend to be more, on the bottom line, more skeptical. Here's why. After studying, well, one... The prophets don't claim infallibility. They make big mistakes. The charismatic prophets who have pushed Trump, they were wrong about Romney winning uh, last time. Uh, That didn't happen. They were wrong about um, the Republicans taking control of both the House and Senate two years ago. So prophecy's not an infallible gift. Um, As well... um, think a lot of the, if people read my book, I think they'll be more impressed by some prophets than others. Now, on the bottom line, I do believe that God uh, speaks to people, and I'm, I'm actually impressed, greatly impressed by some of the people who claim a prophetic calling. Uh, let me mention one in particular. I know he's your friend. I met him a year ago, uh, Jeremiah Johnson. I think he's a really sincere, honest, credible person. Um, And he's one of the first, in fact, I think he's the first person 
get a prophetic word about Trump. So I'm I'm a mixed person on this one, Michael. Um, one thing that helps the prophetic movement is they're they're anchored in the basics of the gospel, so they can't by that fact go too far astray. So I take some comfort in that. Mm. Whereas if if you look at some other religions who have prophets, uh, they're skewed from the start because they're not teaching or preaching the gospel. All right, so you would look at this as brothers and sisters in the Lord, some of whom are more accurate than others, but many of whom have received something genuine from the Lord. Do you think, Jim, that, that there should be more accountability in our charismatic Pentecostal circles to prophetic words? Do you think that perhaps we just let them go unchecked too much? Yeah, I would say just like the non-charismatic world could get a little more open to um, maybe supernatural things, Mm -hmm. the charismatic world should tighten up a bit. When I first started studying the wild prophecies from Kansas City and the Vineyard Movement when they were into the Kansas City prophets, I thought surely when word gets out about how wrong the prophets have been, that there'll be correction. Now, John Wimber did bring correction, uh, the leader of the vineyard, but uh, overall, people who were into the prophetic, uh, they they show, uh, they don't show enough signs of really thinking clearly about prophecy. A lot of times, it's only after the fact that they announce that God told them. It's sort of like God told me that you would hold your book up, my book up on your show today. Well, one, that's perfectly logical since I'm a guest, and two, well, isn't it convenient? I I waited till after you held it up to to mention it. So, now, I don't think generally, I don't think... Uh, Christian prophets are knowingly deceptive. I think sometimes they're just a little too careless. Got it. Yeah, and, and I, I absolutely agree. We need to have more accountability. I'm an eyewitness to the Holy Spirit speaking supernaturally to me through others, to me directly or through me to others. And so many of my friends, so many examples, it, you know, it would take th- tens of thousands of books to document it. And yet, yes, those that are on the non-charismatic side can often be too closed, and those on the charismatic side can often be too open. And that's why we need the Word and Spirit, and we need each other to, together to, to, to bring the whole package in as one. So right. if you, if you uh, right now, so we are in April of 2020, and who knows what tomorrow brings with the virus and everything else and uh, upheaval in our world, but... Reading through these prophecies, you have now put together a collection more carefully, more extensively than, than anyone else has done. James Beverly, the book God's Man in the White House, Donald Trump and Modern Christian Prophecy. Uh, was there a general sense that he would be elected to a second term? And are there, were there general themes that seem to come through many of the prophecies for better or for worse? Um. The fact that he'd win two terms is only mentioned a bit. It's not It's not that frequent. There's a lot of hope that he'll be elected. Um, 
I think the most sophisticated answer is is from again Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, he's about uh, the only charismatic prophet I've discovered who who says both positive and negative about Trump. He's generally positive, but I think in early 2018 he issued a warning to the president saying that he needed to. Uh, spend more time on improving his character, or there would be a price to pay. Uh, but generally, the prophets love Donald Trump. They think he's God's man. Um, there's almost no limit to the positive spin, they say. And Now, some of it is so over-the-top uh, praise about him that you wonder if they're talking to the same man that most people uh, see on TV. Uh, it's just too much. Um, so that, that hurts their credibility, but that's only some of them. Right. And and again, friends, it's not that, that Jim is avoiding mentioning names. It's that he's got a whole book with hundreds and hundreds of examples and details. So that's all in the book, God's Man in the White House, James Beverly. We come back, I, I want to ask him about some of the early prophecies, Kim Clement, Mark Taylor, uh, what he makes of that, and why it is that some of these prophetic brothers or sisters seem to almost idolize Trump or put him on some high pedestal. Look, I, I wrote the book Donald Trump is Not My Savior as someone voting for Trump and supporting Trump and planning to vote for him. If everything is the same as in 2020, November, voting for him then. So what is that something we should be concerned about, an over-exaltation? Why might people do that? James Beverly, God's Man in the White House. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks so much for joining us on the Line of Fire. By the way, yesterday I recorded a one-hour-plus dialogue with a Muslim apologist about whether Muhammad was prophesied in Deuteronomy 18. We should be posting that later tonight. I am sure if you love the truth and you love the Word of God and you care about our Muslim friends, you'll want to watch this and share it widely. So be looking for that tonight on the Ask Dr. Brown YouTube channel. Back to James Beverly, author of the new book, God's Man in the White House. Uh, Jim, you mentioned Jeremiah Johnson's prophecy early on. That was really uh, closer to the last election cycle. But there was a word from some years earlier by Kim Clement and then a word from Mark Taylor, uh, Kim Clement being the better known uh, with a TV ministry, Mark Taylor, fireman, who was receiving these prophetic messages. Right. Uh, where did these fit in in your overall chronology? Well, um Kim Clement is the early... Is it said Clement or Clement? I th- I've heard Clement, but I'm not sure. Okay, well, anyway, Kim was Kim was early uh, in terms of mentioning someone who could possibly fit Trump's scenario, but uh, doesn't mention Trump by name. I would love to talk to Lance Walno about his friendship with Kim. Um, the trouble with Mark Taylor's prophecies... Uh, about Trump is that he thought they were for 
2012. And uh, he put them away. And then when Trump was announced as a candidate in 2015, he brought them back. And he did a bit of uh, hermeneutical moves to try to say that those early prophecies from 2011 were really about 2016. The clearest uh, prophecies uh, from um, about Trump are from um, Jeremiah Johnson in July 15th of 2015. Uh, and then... Uh, Lance Walno got his famous um, inspiration about Trump as a wrecking ball on July 26th. And then an uh, Australian prophet named Lana Vouser got a, uh, she claims that God spoke to her on October 11th that, that Trump uh, <coughs> would be uh, used by God. Uh, the reason I'm impressed by Jeremiah Johnson, Lance, and Lana is they all seem really credible people. Lana, for example, had, she wasn't really interested in politics and hardly knew anything about Trump. And then she gets this word, and with um, some naivete, she posts it, and then she's astonished by the hate she received. Uh, she and her husband agreed to be interviewed at the end of my book, just a brief interview about what it was like to get all the... Uh, negativity back then. Uh, there's another example in, in 2016, a woman named Jill Steele, who says she didn't like Trump, says she heard from God that uh, he was going to use her. So those are the ones that impressed me the most. Um, and uh, I, I think those are like intriguing. Uh, of course, I say in the introduction to my book that uh, we shouldn't make our decisions about Trump ultimately based on prophecy. It should be about the moral and social and political issues uh, that determine whether he's the right person or not. So does he have the right views on abortion or immigration or the military or uh, whatever? Uh, so... Um, the prophet, the prophetic angle can be a factor in thinking about it. I can mention one other thing, Michael. The publisher of my book is a close friend named Larry Willard. He's a, one of the major Christian publishers in Canada. Uh, he had an experience of, uh, he believes that he heard from God uh, that Trump uh, would be used by God. He was sitting on his couch and he believes that God told him to look at Isaiah 45. And he did, hadn't remember. he couldn't remember what it was about. He had to go get his Bible, look it up, and lo and behold, it was about uh, Cyrus. And then Larry says that he was convicted that Trump would be used by God. And you now, know here's, a, here's one way you decide things. I, I know Larry really well. We used to work together when he was one of the vice presidents where I taught in Toronto for 31 years. I know Larry. He wouldn't make that up. Right. If he's wrong, it isn't wrong because he's um, a con artist or a liar or a fool. He's a smart, sophisticated, great Christian leader. Anyway, those are... 
I find those kind of examples uh, really intriguing. Yeah, um, and and you know, you mentioned that I know Jeremiah. Uh, he's uh, I highly respect him. He really fears God. We have talked a lot away from a stage or a camera about holiness, about fear of God, about judgment. Uh, what you see is what you get with Jeremiah. I know his, his wife and, and his co-workers. And uh, so he looks to me as, as a mentor in the Lord, but I, I deeply respect him. And when he got the Trump prophecy, he knew the name Trump, but he knew almost nothing about him. And publish the word, and next thing it goes completely viral. He's getting calls from media around the world, from BBC to CNN, and he refused all the, the interviews. And it was not his goal to be suddenly on, on all these shows. And was also shocked by the degree of flack that came against him. And, and, um, and then Lance Wallnow, I, I know Lance, we're, we're, we're friends. We don't see each other a lot, but we're friends. I respect Lance. He's, he's a, a serious guy. And always coming from a different angle, kind of like a business angle, not just your typical church angle. But here he is at a meeting with other evangelical leaders in Trump, and he feels God prompting him, go to Isaiah 45 and read that out loud to Trump. And he'll be 45th president. It's like four, there, we've had more than 45 presidents without realizing that you'll, if you have a president for two terms, you only count as one president. And right. He's reading the words out loud about Cyrus, even though you do not know me. He's thinking, I'm reading these to Trump. God's saying to Trump, you don't know me, but I'm going to use you. And, and I was totally opposed to Trump at that time, militantly opposed to him. And I got on my knees one day and I said, God, I respect Jeremiah. I respect Lance, but I just don't see it. So show me if I'm missing something. That's all we can do. You know, we don't just say, oh, a prophet says something, therefore we're going to believe it. You, you watch, you look, you pray into it. But it, 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 he is such an unlikely candidate. He is so much the last one that we would have picked in so many ways. And yet, while there's been a tremendous amount of collateral damage just because of who he is, he's done a tremendous amount of good beyond what, what his predecessors have done. So two minutes we've got uh, left, and then we'll, we'll have to continue this discussion another day. But if you can answer in two minutes or less... Why do you think so many of these prophetic people are so over-the-top lifting up Donald Trump? Your own opinion. I think that's their style. Uh, they're, not, they're not like us academics, Michael, that are prone to precision. Uh, so it, it's not a precise world. So I think they're just inclined to, to be over-the-top in their style. Uh, I just think some of them should tone it down a bit. <laughs> uh, you know, you get the impression that uh, that, that uh, there, there's no major weaknesses in Trump that need to be addressed. Uh, in fact, that, that shows you something about modern charismatic and Pentecostal prophecy. I don't think it has enough Old Testament in it. Mm. They're often really in favor of this or that without a moderating... Um, balance. You know, when uh, Paul Kane and Bob Jones were really big in the vineyard movement, um, you would think those two practically walked on water. Uh, and so I, I think it's just a, a human characteristic. It's, you know, and, and, not, and I guess not the too thing worried is, about it. Yeah, okay. That, that interesting you have that perspective, having looked at it as a believer as a friend of the things of the Spirit, but as, as an academic, 
that's going to evaluate things critically, that there is human personality, and the word of the Lord coming through Ezekiel used different vocabulary and sounded different than the word of the Lord coming through Isaiah or other prophets. So there is that aspect of human personality. We believe in Scripture that God has fully inspired the words so that the message that comes out is exactly what he intended. But with New Testament prophecy, where everyone can potentially prophesy, where everything must be more carefully tested, where you don't just have a national leader speaking a word, and the whole nation has to follow like you did with ancient Israel. So you're wrong. That's, it's over for you. Um, yeah, I, I think we, we often fail to factor in our theology color, colors things. Our own personality right. colors things, and that's right. why we you know, need to be Trump, really I careful. Think actually, yeah. most people uh-huh. just make a basic gut reaction: do they like him or or not? And if they don't, it doesn't matter what good he does. Like I have friends who can't stand him, even some relatives, and uh, they, they will hardly tolerate any thought about him doing good. Likewise, on the other side, the, some people go over the top for him without realizing sometimes he's he may not be the most sanctified president. Yeah, so... Although, it should sh- be fair, Michael, one thing that should be said is evangelicals who support Trump to a person, the leaders, they know that Trump has weaknesses. They're, right. not, they're not gullible about the depth or extent of of sin in the human race, in Trump and in all of them. Yeah, so what you're saying, in short, having analyzed hundreds and hundreds of prophecy statements for evangelical leaders, is that a healthy, balanced position is where we need to end up. James Beverly, God's man in the White House, an absolutely fascinating read. Thanks for joining us.